there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Last year around this time, I was flying to Portland, Oregon, to have my first ever Christmas with my now wife and her family. This was a momentous moment for me because I happened to be raised in the Jewish faith, at least until my bar mitzvah, which point that all went out the window. <laughs> but I, the point being that I never really understood Christmas. I was surrounded by it. I was exposed to it. Being in New York City at this very moment, it's everywhere. Yeah. But I never really got it. And on, if I'm going to be completely honest, it kind of annoyed me. Oh, really? Yes. And what I perceived as the commercialism of it, the kind of the arbitrariness of it. Right, of course. The symbology of it, I mean. And, you know, the, and Fox anchors coming on and declaring that there was a war on it. I just thought like, oh, this is so foolish. But um, the thing that annoyed me the most was Christmas music, which I had to listen to for a month everywhere mm. I went and it just drove me crazy. This all changed when I actually had Christmas when Oh, so you came around. Yes. I mean totally to- complete 180. I'm the biggest Christmas nut now. <laughs> I just I just I found, it finally made sense to me the smell of the Christmas tree hanging out all day in your pajamas opening presents and drinking eggnog and just being with your family and loved ones it's amazing i like i i get it i see what it's all about you're a full convert <laughs> i'm a full convert and with that in mind i want to take those christmas songs that i used to detest and see if there's not something there that i can find to love and respect because after all this is the pop music that we're going to be listening to more than any other at least until December 26th. Right. That's when Christmas is over, right? When's when's Christmas exactly? <laughs> Let's have, uh, should we Google it? Mm, uh, that's Siri. <laughs> so uh, of all these tunes, what sticks out the most? Well, I got I to gotta be real. To me, the most iconic Christmas song is Jingle Bells. Yes, yes, definitely. I feel like you've heard it over a million times. You know how to sing it. And I think what's really interesting about Jingle Bells I was looking this up the other, the other day is that there's no definitive recording. Right. right? It's a song that's just like, wow, it just seeps into our culture. It's a part of all of us. And I also thinking about Jingle Bells and Christmas music got to thinking, where does it come from? Why is it so catchy? Yeah. And why above all of these holiday tunes is Jingle Bells the most widely played and reinterpreted song? 
This is Switched On Pop, and I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Today, we're going to take apart Jingle Bells, put it under the microscope, and see what makes this Christmas classic tick. Right. And where, where should we start, Charlie? I think before we get into the song, we should absolutely uh, hear the song. And I was hoping, Nate, that you might treat us with a beautiful rendition, ukulele style. Well, I just taught myself how to how to play this instrument two days ago, so bear with me. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, yeah. Dashing through the snow on a one-horse open sleigh. Over the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits rise. Oh, what fun it is to sing a slang song tonight. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle Jingle bells and jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. That was just wonderful, wonderful. You'd almost think I was a Gento. <laughs> you missed a few lyrics. You missed a few lyrics. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I, know, I, I, think, I, know. I believe it's um, what fun it is to ride and sing. You forgot the ride. Yes. Ah, uh, I knew I missed. <laughs> I knew I missed something there. But I'm very picky. Well, next next year I'll have it. I'll have it down. Okay, good for all of us. Well, I think there were a couple of things in listening to your gorgeous rendition of Jingle Bells that stuck out for me. Thank you. <laughs> and four things in particular. Please. It really made me think a lot about the melody and uh, this really cool rising melody. There is something rhythmically powerful about this song yeah there's a really interesting balance between the chorus and the verse and then finally i was really intrigued to see your unique interpretation of this song <laughs> oh, okay so i thought maybe we could spend some time and go through each of these elements starting with the melody so we tell us a little bit what, what is going on about the melody of jingle bells that makes it so memorable so i think you mentioned this but what's so captivating about this melody is the way that it slowly rises up in pitch yeah so we start dashing through the snow and then we start on the, we start on the same note yeah. in a one horse open sleigh but then when we go down we end a note higher than the phrase before right so that's kind of building this counterpoint like a line and then it gets higher again right oh the fields we go down all the way yes. and she keeps going up at the end of every phrase we're one note higher exactly so if you just took those notes that at the end of each of those small phrases right hmm Hmm. Hmm. We just walked up the scale. Yeah. Right. I think it's really neat because it it builds. Right. Yeah. There's a melody within the melody. Ooh, interesting. Ah. Okay. It's more than just the melody is rising up and getting to this crescendo moment of excitement before going into the chorus. There's actually some more delicate composition of two melodies sort of happening at the same time. Or precisely. Yeah. What what else makes this song so melodically catchy? I think I think one other thing that makes this song so catchy is that aside from being well written, it's really simple and it has this constrained vocal range, which lends itself for anybody to sing it. We just heard you sing it. If, right. you, if you're singing it, Nate, everybody's singing <laughs> it. So it's it's not only well composed, but it's it's really tight. The vocal range is small. It lends itself to any style of vocal. Yes. And that starts in the chorus with this very first line, jingle bells. Right. And this rhythm, da, 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 
that just sears itself in your brain. Yeah, what is that? What is that rhythm? That is well, it's two quarter notes and a half note. It's very simple. Okay. <laughs> in the Baroque era, they would have probably called that a gavotte rhythm. That was like a dance huh. of the time. Da 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 da. Um, today it doesn't have that association, but it does have this kind of bounce hmm. and a slight syncopation because we, we're putting a lot of emphasis on the third beat of the measure. Hmm. Da, 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 one, two, three, one, two, three. Hmm. So if you were to look at this rhythm on paper, it might look really simple, but when you hear it, it's yes. very profound. It's powerful. Yeah, propulsive, I would say. Mm, propulsive. <laughs> <laughs> I think you asked me the other day of whether or not you could identify jingle bells just by hearing those three notes. Yes. I think you could. I would be very curious to do a survey <laughs> to go out to go out into the street and just play those three notes for people. Do an academic survey on jingle bells. Probably around Christmas time it would be it would be easier. If you did it in June, you would get a much different result, I imagine. You might you might get um more, more along your sort of Miley Cyrus um, party in the USA. Exactly. USA. Um, what else? What else is going on here, Charlie? Um, well, we talked about the verse, and so I think we should talk about the chorus. Yes. Let's go deeper into the chorus. And we, we talked about the, the verse's melody, and so we talked about that rising melody. Oh, that was a little flat. <laughs> Nonetheless, you got it. You got it. A little pitchy, a little pitchy, but it's okay. You, you get you get the point, and uh, and it's, it lends itself, as I said, for anybody to sing it, including myself. When we land in the chorus, it sounds like an answer to this verse. It's a whole nother phrasing style. Well, something I think something that's really effective about the chorus is how is its almost uh, monomaniacal focus on mm. the single note that start that starts the chorus. Mm. Which is, in this case, the third of the scale. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, jingle bells, jingle bells. So it's obviously the first note we hear. Mm -hmm. And then we hear it again, jingle all the way. Ah. So there it is again. So that first, the first four measures of the chorus are basically E with a little dressing. Some, some ornamentation, if you will. And then for the next measure, we go a half step to the fourth uh, scale degree. One, two, three, four. Fun. It is, but then we go right back down to the third. Right. It is to ride on a one horse open sleigh. And then at the end of that line, we get to two and five. Mm. But basically, besides that... Uh, that measure where we go to four and then the last measure where we go to two and five. It's all just surrounding the third. It's all surrounding that E. It's all the same note. It's just this yeah. one note. Yeah. Huh. It's just one note. Earlier in the verse, we sort of did that five, six, seven, eight, rising up the scale. And now we're just hanging out on the third. So it's really in its own territory. Totally. Yeah. It's a really nice contrast between the this very wide ranging verse melody and this just incredibly focused and distilled huh. chorus melody. Huh. That is just all about that third. And it's interesting. Like, like the verse, it's just so easy to sing. It's it's easy. It's even easier to sing. It's the easiest thing to sing. Even easier, yeah. I, I think that brings us to the sort of the last most interesting point about Jingle Bells is that it's so easy to sing that it lends itself to infinite interpretation. Correct. It lends itself to contrafacta. Excuse me. <laughs> that that is a very fancy word for basically putting new lyrics. Oh. 
where uh, where the old ones used to be, and I think given, given your uh, your newly discovered love of Christmas and Christmas music, have you have you found a favorite contrafacta? Uh, yes, I believe it goes something like. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin <laughs> laid an egg, Batmobile lost its wheel, Joker got away, or Joker lost his leg. I don't actually remember how that goes. It must be it must have been interesting to learn that little uh, interpretation later on in life. Yes. <laughs> no, well, no, I knew I knew that when I was when I was a little kid. That was a, that was some third grade playground stuff. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was very risque. At the time. <laughs> I think I just got why Robin laid an egg. I never actually like put that together. Before. Oh, yeah. I didn't either. <laughs> because he's named after a bird. Okay, yeah. Let's Yikes. hammer it in. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, and what are some other kind of, what, what are other ways that this song just like is really easy to, it, it, it absorbs a lot of interpretation. Yeah, like, well, I feel like it, it, it lends itself to utterance. So you can be like, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Hey! Right. Yes. And, and there's all these places where you can, because there's all this space, jingle bells, space, yeah. jingle bells, space. Yes. There's the opportunity to just put your own thing in there. And because, like you said, the melody is so simple. Right. Even you, when you were singing it, couldn't help but to expand upon that melody because it's so rudimentary. I couldn't. I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. I think the other, my other favorite one of these interjections is laughing all the way. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Right. And is that, I don't know if it's actually in the original lyrics, is it? It's definitely not. Then given that it's been interpreted a million times, where, where is Jingle Bells coming from? Give us a little musicological taste of Jingle Bells. Where is Jingle Bells from? This is one, the Jingle Bells is in my mind, one of the great Wikipedia articles out there <laughs> because this song is just full of surprises when you start to get into its history. Hmm. It was written by this gentleman Ooh, let me see if i can remember his name it's something very 19th century like is it is it uh pierpont james lord pierpont Ooh, lord yes james lord pierpont a lord. who wrote some other songs but isn't you know none of them really lasted except jingle bells they haven't stayed in the canon uh he was a he was a new new englander there's some debate as to whether where exactly he wrote Jingle Bells. Medford, Massachusetts likes to claim that it's the birthplace of the song Jingle Bells, but <laughs> they have to claim something. But other some other that's all they have. <laughs> sorry to the people of Medford. Um, so sorry, but some other other towns also want to claim it. Okay, and uh, he was a unit. He did a lot of things. He was a Unitarian uh, minister. Mm. Or pastor, rather, at one point. So was his father. You know what's interesting about that, Nate, is that I was, yeah. again, one of the most fascinating Wikipedia articles around Jingle Bells and just Christmas music in general. I learned that at one point the Protestants actually completely banned Christmas music, saying that really? you know, it was idolatry. Yeah, you, you can't be singing to false idols. And I, I love so much that and we'll get to it eventually is how so much of Christmas music really isn't about the holiday of Christmas. Um, it's so much more just about general gleefulness, joy, rejoicing, and of course consumerism. Right. There's no religious right notion to it. Is written by a Unitarian minister. So that, yeah. actually, I guess the church brought music back in after the ban by the Protestants. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm curious where people think Jingle Bells come from. I, I comes from. I always thought, or if, if I ever thought about it, that <laughs> it was just one of these traditional songs that is as old as the earth and who knows where it comes right. from. But no, this was a published pop song in uh, 1857. Pop, what does pop music mean in 1857? We don't have recordings at this time. No, what pop music means is that you buy, you go to the store and you buy the sheet music mm. and then you take it home and you sit around the piano and you play it with your friends. In this case, Jingle Bells actually ca- comes with piano, solo voice, and there's a chorus part. Oh. So you can sing four-part harmony with your friends as you're singing Jingle Bells. This is the original composition. This is the original composition, yeah, the original published version. Wow. Which then, which changes. Um, we'll play the original version in a second. You can see just how much the song has changed. Hmm. And we can see that it, it changed really fast because there's a recording in 1898, which is one of the earliest recordings in existence Whoa. by the Edison male quartet, as in like Thomas Edison, inventor of the phonograph. And a lot more. Um, and they do it based more or less the way we do it now. So in those intervening uh, 40 years, the people, the song that became really popular just morphed into something new in the hands of the people, I guess. So let's take a listen and and see what's going on in the original. Sure. Um, Do we have that? No. I couldn't find a recording of it. Oh. But I'm going to do one myself. Oh, you are? I'll just overdub the parts, yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what joy it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what joy it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. <laughs> it's a beautiful rendition, Nate. Thank you so much for your four-part harmony. You're very welcome. So given the original, tell me a little bit about what has changed, you say, in just 40 years. The melody has changed uh, to the to the melody that we were just analyzing, the one that's familiar to us today. Mm-hmm. Right. And then notably, a lot of the lyrics have changed as well. Hmm. Like it used to be, oh, what sport instead of, oh, what joy or oh, what fun. Huh. So that changed. It's a weird. I mean, that's kind of an antiquated word, sport. It's also hard to sing sport. Right. Sport. Oh, what fun it is. What sport. Huh. Yeah. Now, another interesting thing about the evolution of Jingle Bells since its 1857 inception is I think an understanding of what the what part of speech the word jingle actually is in this song. Hmm. What do you mean? Much like the first word of James Joyce's Ulysses, hmm. stately, stately plump buck, excuse me, stately plump buck Mulligan. Uh, there's a lot of there's which has a lot of debate over what if whether it's an adverb or an adjective. Um, what is Charlie? What is jingle? What is jingle? Well, I would assume that jingle is a verb. Yes, it is a verb. Very good. Ding ding ding. To jingle a bell. But I feel like you're trying to trick me. Well, I'm. My suspicion is that most people think of it as an adjective. Oh, as jingle, as like a kind of like a jingle bell. 
like a kind of bell. Because the, the way that you make music, Christmas music, is that you add jingle bells or sleigh bells in the background. Right. So jingle is an adjective describing what type of bell it is. Yeah. But it's funny because this song is, I've never really thought about it this way, but it's kind of, it's an imperative. It's like a, a, an order. Hmm. Jingle bells. You, jingle bells. <laughs> jingle. Oh. Jingle them all the way. <laughs> jingle those bells. <laughs> It should be, it'd be much more benign if it was jingling bells, jingling bells. Like we're just jingling bells. <laughs> that would be, that's, that's a lot less aggressive than jingle bells. But do, do, shouldn't it be jingle bells, jingle bells, jingling all the way? No, because you, this song, now that now I'm realizing that this song is actually sort of an authoritarian order to <laughs> for all the people to jingle their bells. Buy more crap, buy more crap, buy it all the time. Not to stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> in any case, you also had, I thought there were some interesting other cultural relics that don't really make sense of the modern era do you know what i'm talking about i i think i know what you're talking about so what is it well one one question i have actually because i'm when i actually pause to think about this song is what is a bobtail what is a bobtail do you know i would assume it's like a, a bobcat's tail but i don't know what a bobcat is <laughs> why why would there the be middle a, of the song that's a great that's a great guess but why would there be bells on a on a bobcat's tail <laughs> to warn you the bobcat <laughs> is coming and that makes your spirits bright okay so it's definitely not a bobcat so what do you think well i don't know i mean i think originally i thought it was like i guess the yeah the tails of the horses oh okay okay but then there's only one it's a one horse open sleigh so then i was thinking wait that doesn't make sense why would there be multiple bells huh so could it be the top of a hat (laughs) that's also a good guess it's actually just i think it's the part of the sleigh this is what i researched that that kind of sticks out in the back oh and the and the bells on the bobtail would just warn you know other people out slaying that there was a sleigh coming <laughs> sleigh crossing <laughs> sleigh crossing what a what a, <laughs> what a horrific term yeah um uh, the term does come from an animal having its tail bobbed yeah and so I, I wonder if the the bob of the sleigh is actually it looks like an animal tail which has been chopped off. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm certain you're right. <laughs> right, which is one of the darkest things that we decided that we crop off the tail of yeah. long-tailed animals. <laughs> Our next podcast will be all about the etymology of the word bobtail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if we can go much further. Um, but you know what I think we can go into is uh, how Jingle Bells, as you pointed out early on, really is um, originally a commercial song. right. And I think it's so interesting that Christmas music at its core feels innocent and pure and about rejoicing and celebration with friends and family. But of course, we know that it's just played endlessly in commercial spaces. And that might be a hint that actually (sighs) the whole intent of Christmas music isn't just to calm us down when people are mobbing each other on Black Friday and to encourage them to buy more uh, to, to, to buy more things. Yeah. But the music itself is is actually deeply commercial. As you were saying, it was the earliest recording was done by the Edison Mail Quartet in 1898. And uh, since then, 
pop music recordings of Christmas songs have just proliferated. Right. It's the only time of year where if you look at the Billboard Top 100, you're going to see pop songs from the 1950s. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not Sinatra is not hanging out with us in June. Typically is <laughs> not. No, he's not topping the charts normally, unfortunately. So it got me thinking, what is it about this music which lends itself to be such a great vehicle for the business of of music? Yeah. There were a couple things that, that came out. So the first was that the songs are all past their copyright. Ah. Right? And when you listen to radio plays, every single time something goes on the radio, someone collects a royalty for having written that song. The songwriter gets right. a few pennies and some... Record company gets a few dollars, and it's a very equal system. But the royalties are sort of how people make their money off of this music. Yeah. And, but you only get royalties if the song is copywritten. So many of our Christmas hits are past their copyright, meaning anybody can reinterpret them. Nobody gets any royalties. Being out in the public domain means basically more renditions of Jingle Bells and so on get recorded by more and more pop stars every single year. Right. They don't have to pay any copyright royalties. Exactly. Ah. Poor James Lord Pierpont is rolling in his grave. <laughs> yeah, seriously. His it's it's not him. I think it's the uh, the folks of Medford and his extended right. grandchildren who are just wishing that every time we sang it. Um which is interesting because uh in the media you know that we never hear happy birthday. Right. Right. You, whenever you see a movie and there's a birthday party, they almost never sing happy birthday because happy birthday copywritten and you have to pay the royalty. <laughs> Fascinating. Unless, you know, it's totally possible that that is complete folklore knowledge and I'm way out of date. So no, no, that's that's absolutely <laughs> right. Check me. That's absolutely right. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. They should sing Jingle Bells. They should sing. <laughs> they should sing Jingle Instead. Bells. Yeah. Whenever there's. It's kind of like whenever you see in a film um, a phone number and it's always five 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 and it totally breaks the the the, the fourth wall. And you're like, oh, I'm clearly watching a film. Right. I think they should do that. Likewise for Happy Birthday, just sing Jingle Bells. You're like, you know what's going on. <laughs> you know what we're, you know what you're, we mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but there's a problem with this argument that its open source nature leads to the proliferation of endless uh, commercial Christmas music. Because when we listen to Christmas music on the radio, all we hear is music from the 1950s. No, I think you're right. I think the the vintage of these songs creates this nostalgic mood that puts us in a really positive, happy, carefree state of mind. Mm. By listening to 50s music all the time, we may forget that we're not living in turbulent 2014 and actually living in... Pleasantville circa 1952. Right, some constructed image of another time. And as such, might be so inclined to buy more crap for our <laughs> friends and loved ones from the local Walmart. Right, right. That's the more cynical view of it, I suppose. But it's it's really true. I was, I was listening just the other day to the cast of Glee, as I uh, want to do. Yes, <laughs> you're a Gleek. Singing Jingle Bell Rock. And Jingle Bell Rock being, of course, a really radical reinterpretation of Jingle Bells. And what's interesting is that Glee singing it today, and I, they recorded it either this year or last year or whatever, but it sounds like a 1950s song. You have that jangly Chet Atkins style guitar. 
Um, it, it has the sleigh bells. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. A jingle bell swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing, a bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Uh, it's very much um, trying to take you back to the 50s, even though yeah. the show takes place now. No, Christmas is Christmas is inevitably associated with the past with a near past with a distant past as with some of the actual old hmm. um christmas carols and if you're burnt out on christmas music on these songs that keep cycling back into our eardrums every year <laughs> we here at switched on pop say go make your own absolutely go out into your shack out in the back of the house yeah. write some of your own tunes record them you don't have to pay royalties they're free you can you can record it you can sing it as much as you want that's right that's right sing them loudly rejoice with your families and communities and though you're probably not gonna reproduce a bing crosby <laughs> you're gonna have a lot more fun and your ears will not be worn out by yes the incessant yes. commercial christmas music that we hear all the time let's start some new christmas traditions switched on pop switched on pop switched on pop this way <laughs> Nate and Charlie talking shit all the live long day. Hey! <laughs> I don't have I got nothing. <laughs> this has been Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. And we'll be back in the new year with exciting new pop music. But until then, have yourself a merry little Christmas. I was going to have a recording play that. <laughs> <laughs> have yourself a merry little Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight There's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Why do you run? Why does anyone... I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.